There's a famous quote that's attributed to Gore Vidal. He says, whenever one of my friends succeeds, something in me dies, which is a kind of scary statement of the state of the human heart with, in terms of jealousy and envy, that there is something in us um, that kind of sees life as a competition. And if other people are winners, that makes me a loser. And in order for me to be a winner, other people have to be losers. And what Jesus is saying to us in the parable today, I remember there's a, a lady in my old parish who, this was her least favorite parable. Every time it came up, she's like, I can go with Jesus so far, but this I can't understand. That these people who work only one hour get the exact same wage as the people who work all day from dawn until evening, bearing the, the heat of the day and everything. How is it fair that they would get paid the same? And notice that it's not that the injustice is these people who worked all day coming to the, the landowner and getting less than they agreed. You know, That would not be fair. But they get exactly what they expected. But because they saw other people getting special treatment or sort of a, a merciful uh, you know, extra credit, they thought, well, we certainly have to be, I mean, we worked harder than we must be getting more than we agreed to. And that's something in us that we, we kind of like need to be above others. We need credit for everything that we've done. And uh, life is sort of this competition. And what Jesus is getting at is exactly that kind of individualism. That in the kingdom of God, we are not just all a bunch of little individuals in our own little private universe where our only or even our highest priority is our own interest and getting what we deserve. That's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is having the heart of the master, the owner of the vineyard, who spends all day looking outside himself for all these people who, what are you doing here in the marketplace standing idle all day? You should be working. You should be part of something. You shouldn't just be out here in the boredom and the, and the poverty outside of my house. He wants everybody in for their own benefit. I love the imagery of the, of the vineyard, too, is you have this rhythm of morning till night, and the, the landowner keeps going out at all these hours. He first goes out at dawn, then he goes out at 9 o'clock, then at noon, and 3 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. There's this pulsating kind of rhythm throughout the day, and then finally it comes to evening. And in a way, like it's almost the point of the entire day's work is that moment in the evening. The work of the vineyard, yeah, it's important. Yeah, the daily wage is important. They need something to live on. But it's almost like the whole thing has been set up by this landowner for this one teaching moment because he's so particular on how he wants to pay these people. He says, bring the last ones first. Bring the ones that came in at 5 o'clock to me first, and I'll pay them. And then finally, the ones who came here first, they'll be the last ones. And he knows that they are expecting more payment. They're expecting, if these guys got paid a denarius for just an hour's work and I work 12 hours, I must be getting 12 denarius or at least something more than what they're getting. And it's almost like he's purposely provoking this human sense of injustice at this kind of treatment. Because what he's trying to say is God's justice is different than human justice. Like the prophet Isaiah says, my ways are way above your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. I do not think 
like a human being in this private universe, individual autonomous interest way. God's heart is open to all. He sees every member as integral to the whole body. And so what do they say? You've made them equal to us. Isn't that interesting? That you've made these people who only worked a few hours equal to us. How dare you, they're saying, they're implying. How dare you, Master, make them equal to me? I need to be above them. Contrast that to like St. Paul in the, in the Philippians hymn when he says, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, is equal to the Father. He's co-equal to God the Father in divinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all co-equal. But the Son, in coming down to us, in emptying himself, has taken the form of a slave, not deemed equality with God something to be grasped at. In other words, he's not seeking to put himself above us. He's seeking to come down to us, put himself last, in order to bring us up with him. The human pride is exactly the opposite. We seek to put ourselves above others, and how dare you even try to approach me? St. Bernard of Clairvaux uh, has this essay on the 12 steps of pride. What do you think the first step towards pride is? Spiritual pride, the deadliest sin. The first step, he says, is curiositas. In Latin, curiosity. It's paying attention to stuff that's none of my business. That's exactly what these people who are last in line are doing. They're looking at everybody else like, what are they getting? What is he paying them? doesn't matter. You've agreed to the usual daily wage. That's none of your business. And the only thing that comparing myself to other people can do is either make me despair because, oh, I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm not getting as much as other people. I'm not as good as them. I don't deserve as much. Or it'll make you haughty and proud. Oh, look how much better I am than everybody else. Curiosity, at least that kind of curiosity. Not intellectual curiosity, but, but that kind of busybody, gossipy curiosity. Of, what, what's up with that guy? What's he doing? Or what is she doing? What is she getting? That only leads to pride. And so St. John of the Cross says, in the evening of life, we will be judged by love. In the evening of life, at the end of our lives. Like I said, the the whole point of this exercise in the vineyard really is to get to the point of the evening. Because what God is trying to do in all of us is kill that part. Let that part die of our hearts. Like Gore Vidal says, that needs to die. Because whenever some friend of mine succeeds, I hate it. There's something in me that just despises that. I need him to lose for me to win. That pride, that individualism, needs to die and give birth to a new way of seeing, the way of seeing the world the way the master does. I remember when I was a kid, there was uh, someone who came, I think it was a priest, who came to my parish, and I must have been 10 or 11 years old. I don't remember very many homilies from, from those days, but this one guy had visited Mother Teresa and her sisters in Calcutta. And... He was there for a few months and just kind of shocked by the poverty that he witnessed there. And at one point, um, a little boy was brought to the home who had been hit by a car or a train or something, extremely mangled and injured, broken legs and arms. And um, 
they couldn't take care of him there. So Mother Teresa said, he needs to go to a hospital. Will you take him? And, of course, they didn't have a car or anything, so they have to take the bus. So he's got this little boy, seven or eight years old, completely mangled in his arms. And he gets on the bus, and it's full. And he kind of looks at this person in one of the seats and is like, are you going to get up, you know? <laughs> Do you not see that this is kind of an emergency? And the, the person reluctantly gets up and, and stands up and, like, holds one of the poles, and he, he sets the boy down on the seat. And he looks at the boy's face, and he's smiling from ear to ear, grinning. And he's like, what are you smiling about? And the little boy says, no one's ever given up their seat for me. And this, like, completely shocked him. It completely jarred him out of his sense of, like, the way the world is or the way the world should be. But that's the kingdom of heaven, is the last shall be first. And the first shall be last because the first put themselves last. That's what Jesus has done. He is the first. He is above us all. And yet he's made himself the last. He doesn't look out for his own interests. He's not the one coming here to make sure that he gets glorified by all of us. He could have done that. He could have come in a way that forced our hand. That we said, yikes, okay, we worship you. We love you. God has that power. But in taking the form of a humble slave to serve us, to put our interests, even our own salvation, our own life above his own. He dies for us so that we may live. That's the kingdom of heaven. And the antidote to pride. Notice what the master says to that one complainer. He says, my friend, did you not agree to the usual daily wage? He addresses him as friend. And then says the most damning thing of all. He goes, take what belongs to you and go. If you don't want to be here, you don't have to. Take what belongs to you. What belongs to me? Nothing. I have nothing. I have only what the Lord has given me. The antidote to pride is recognizing that fact. That the most precious possession of all is friendship with God. That he's invited me to labor in his vineyard. That he's given me a job to do. What else would I be doing? Standing idle in the marketplace with no purpose, no meaning. Not to worry so much about God's love as if it's some finite resource, that if someone gets more of it, then I'm getting less of it. It can't be. God's love is infinite. And so we put ourselves last in order to teach ourselves this lesson. Sometimes we need to take the last place. We need to take the lowest seat to bring others up with us, to learn that lesson over and over again, that God's love overflows for each and every one of us. And that life is not a competition, a zero-sum game. But there's enough of it to go around, and I can trust in that goodness.